Hello, my name is Joe Schwartz, and I would like to take a moment to tell you about my podcast. It's called Still Unknown, and it's a podcast dealing exclusively with unsolved murders, disappearances, unexplained deaths, and other unsolved mysteries. If you are a fan of the classic TV show Unsolved Mysteries, then you'll definitely want to check out my podcast, as many episodes deal with cases featured on the show that still need answers. So look for Still Unknown on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this podcast here, and let's solve some mysteries together. Hey everyone, welcome to Forensic Miles. My name is Miles. What's up, guys? It's Sean. Welcome back to all of our listeners, and for all of you that are new, welcome. Forensic Miles is the unofficial companion podcast to the cult favorite show, Forensic Files. You've seen the show, you know the crime, but is there more to the story? Let's find out. Yep. Okay, so this is our 21st episode. I am (coughs) super excited about it, and uh, clearly (laughs) Nola is too. Today we're going to be covering the Forensic Files episode, Soul Survivor, which is about the murder of Michelle Rizzi Salerno. So let's just hop right into it. Sounds good. Michelle Rizzi and Dennis Salerno had a whirlwind romance, one that only seems to go right in the movies. And in their life, it went terribly wrong. They met in 1997 in a computer lab and quickly became very serious. Within a month, the two had eloped, much to the disappointment, disapproval, and concern, to be completely honest, of Michelle's mother, Pat. She was concerned. I mean, they, they knew really nothing about Dennis, and they were very worried for their daughter, who was about 26 at the time. The relationship turned sour fast. By 2000, only three years into the relationship, it had become abusive, both physically and mentally. Pat had had enough and decided to hire a private investigator to look into Dennis's past. Pat is Michelle's mother. It's pretty intense. Yeah, it was. And and it seemed to be kind of an extreme. Yeah, Yeah, early on. Right, exactly. Kind of an extreme thing to do. But she was worried about her daughter. Um, And what they found was shocking. He had a criminal record and had spent time in prison that he had never told Michelle or the family at all. And they also found out that Dennis had had previous relationships with men, and this was also something that Michelle didn't know. This new knowledge and the fact that Dennis had lied to her, or at the very least not told her the truth, was motivation for Michelle to finally leave the marriage. And um, she kicked Dennis out of the house and headed to Michigan State University to get her graduate degree in speech pathology. So things seemed to be working out. You know, she was living on her own. She changed her locks. She had gotten a car from her father. But unfortunately, this new life wouldn't last long. On June 30th, 2000, Michelle vanished. She was supposed to have been at a family gathering, and when she didn't arrive, her mother was immediately worried. She called the campus police department and asked that they do an apartment check. When police arrived at her off-campus apartment, they didn't find anything, you know, that looked wrong when they first looked. It seemed like an average college student's home, like, you know, you know what you're... Nothing, what your nothing special. <laughs> yeah, nothing special. <laughs> 
But Michelle also wasn't there. So they searched the apartment a little bit better. And that's when they found a couple things that seemed a little bit off. First, there were three cushions missing from the couch, which was a bit odd. And I'll say, you know, things happen in college campuses. I mean, something could have been spilled. Something could have happened to it. But but it's weird. The second thing that they noticed was that there were marks on the front door lock, and it looked like somebody had actually tried to pick the lock. Um, so they immediately had some sort of concern. This wasn't like Michelle. She wasn't this kind of girl. So they started a search party. It was mostly built up of volunteers, both people in the police department as well as civilians. They reached out to Dennis Salerno, who was currently living in Bowling Green, Ohio, and he said that he hadn't seen her for about a week. They also questioned Michelle's coworker, Jason. He was actually the last person to see her alive. They had done a paper route that morning um, from around 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., and that was the last time anybody had seen her. So, you know, Jason was kind of a suspect for a short time, but they were quickly able to rule him out, and they were kind of left wondering where was she? What happened to her? What, What's going on? Well, at least that helps kind of like give somewhat of a timeline, I guess. Yeah, for sure. The search ended, unfortunately, without any good news. They couldn't find Michelle, but they did end up finding her car the same day over 100 miles away in Toledo, Ohio. So to get a little picture, we live in Ohio. Sean, you've lived here for many years. Do you know the distance between Bowling Green and Toledo? Um, it's probably like an hour. Hmm. So, first maybe, interesting maybe. fact. And what about Michigan to Bowling Green? I mean, it's about 100 it's, miles away from Toledo. Yeah, it's it's probably about an hour or two, depending on like where out in Michigan. I know from Toledo, like Toledo, you can get across the border to Michigan and like, like, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. But not to where Michigan State University is, I don't think, because that's over 100 miles away. Yeah. So, like, another hour. Anyway, it is weird that her car would be found in Ohio, and we know that Dennis is living in Bowling Green. So, immediately, they have some kind of suspicion that maybe he might be involved. The car had tons of parking tickets, indicating that it had been there for quite a while. They knew at this point that this was a bad sign. They felt that if Michelle was okay, she would have been with her car. So they kind of, at this point, realized that they might not be looking for a missing person. They might be looking for a body, which is a really terrible thing to realize. Only about 14 days after the disappearance of Michelle, something else really weird happened, only miles away from where the car was discovered. A man named Larry McClanahan, McClanahan, that name is really hard for me to say. His name is Larry McClanahan, was found murdered in the bathroom stall of a rest stop. McClanahan was 50 years old, self-employed as a truck driver from Moscow, Ohio. He had been brutally murdered in the shower. His neck was sliced, presumably from behind, they can't like 100% say this is what happened, but it definitely seemed like he was um, sliced from behind. And it was, the the cut was so deep that he was nearly decapitated. Wow. I know, Nola. (laughs) 
He also had defensive wounds, um, which showed that he was most likely fighting back. Upon inspecting the video footage from the rest stop, they saw two men entering the building. One was clearly McClanahan. The other man was carrying a black bag. Later, this second man was seen leaving the rest stop, but obviously McClanahan never made it out. The interesting thing is, this man in the video looked a lot like Dennis Salerno. Uh Uh-oh. It turns out that Salerno and McClanahan were cellmates and had spent time in prison together. What's more, upon his release from prison, Salerno had actually lived with McClanahan and had a sexual relationship with both McClanahan and McClanahan's wife. Seems like an uh, interesting living arrangement. Yeah, and it shows that they actually had a really serious relationship. So obviously, he was brought in for questioning. Dennis was also caught on tape in a similar time frame, going into a storage facility not long after. These images are very clear, and like you can absolutely tell that it's Dennis. When they go to these storage units and they look inside them, they find computers, porn, a lock-picking set, and a protection order application by none other than Michelle Rizzo Salerno. So one thing I'll say in these, another thing that they found here, were pictures of Dennis and another man having sexual relations. Dennis and Larry or another guy, not Larry? You can't really tell who it is, but they just know for sure that it was Dennis. Mm. So this letter that they find is basically saying that Michelle is afraid of her husband and that she has been physically and emotionally abused by him and that he is scared that he might hurt her. So this is an application. This hasn't even been sent in. There is legitimately no reason that Dennis should have this in his possession. Yeah, unless he broke into her apartment. Exactly. And that's the thing. The application was written the day before Michelle went missing. Oh, wow. And so he was absolutely not living in her house at that point. Yeah, because he even said it was like a week. And it had been a week. Exactly. It had been a week since he'd seen her. So they immediately knew that Dennis must have something more to do with this. They were able to get his fingerprints and Michelle's off the document. So things were really stacking up against him. They also found a pair of shoes rolled up in a car mat And the shoes had dirt on them. So this was found in the storage facility. So that was kind of weird. Like, I don't know any reason why you would roll up a pair of shoes into a car mat and then stick it into a storage facility. Yeah. Seems a little um, excessive. Yeah. So Salerno was brought in for questioning and adamantly denied that he was involved with either the disappearance of Michelle or the murder of McClanahan. After hours of questioning, though, Salerno changed his mind. He said that McClanahan had called him and asked him to meet at the truck stop. When they got there, McClanahan told him that he had dealt with the problem, like, quote, dealt with the problem. When Salerno asked what problem he was talking about, Larry said that he had killed Michelle for Dennis so that he could be free of her. So basically, quote, unquote, solving his problem. Yeah, seems convenient that now the dead guy is responsible for killing his ex-wife. Exactly. 
Salerno said that after he told him that he killed Michelle, Larry had taken all of his clothes off and told him to get into the shower with him. Fearing that he would be raped, Salerno killed Larry in self-defense. The story, like you said, obviously seems a bit too convenient, a bit too perfect. I mean, Larry can't say, like, defend himself. And the police weren't buying it. The evidence just wasn't stacking up in the way that Salerno was saying things happened. It was clear that McClanahan's throat had been sliced from behind and that he had fought back. So not really the signs of a self-defense murder. Investigators felt that um, Salerno was trying to quote um, kill or quote unquote kill two birds with one stone. They felt that he was trying to cover up what he had done with Michelle by blaming it on McClanahan. Wow. So they arrested Salerno for the murder of McClanahan and basically told him that they were going to seek the death penalty in the case. But they offered him a deal. And they said if he told them where Michelle was, what happened to Michelle, they would take the death penalty off the table and would only seek 20 years for the murder of Larry. Oh, wow. But it's like a, definitely like a capital murder case. Yeah, I mean, hmm. they were just a, they were able to make this deal, and Salerno ultimately agreed. I mean, they felt that you know they would have him in jail for Larry's murder, and then they would also have him in jail for Michelle's murder. Yeah. So he's probably not gonna get anywhere, is what they thought. So Salerno agreed to the deal. Ten months after her disappearance, Michelle's remains were finally found in a 10-acre landfill near Bowling Green, Ohio. So Salerno led them to the body. He said that she was somewhere in this 10-acre landfill. Her remains were badly decomposed, but they were able to identify her by baby teeth given to them by Pat Rizzi, her mother. Which is really sad. I mean, saving your baby teeth, that's such like a special memory and yeah. now they're being used to identify her daughter's body yeah that's sad they tested the soil on the bottom of salerno's shoes that they found in the storage facility and they tested the soil from the landfill and the soil on michelle's body what they found was interesting the soil on michelle's body matched what was on the bottom of salerno's shoes but it didn't match the soil from the landfill mm-hmm. so it was just like a dump site yeah, so this indicated that Salerno had actually moved the body at some point and that the landfill was not the original resting place of Michelle. They were also able to match fingerprints found in Michelle's car to Salerno. He shouldn't have ever had access to this car since it was given to Michelle by her father after they separated. So there was really, like, he had never been in the car. He shouldn't, his fingerprints absolutely should not have been there. yeah. Investigators believed that Salerno had broken into Michelle's apartment while she was at work for some reason, possibly to collect some of his belongings. When he was there, he saw the order of protection application and basically became extremely angry. When she arrived home, he attacked her and strangled her to death. He then got into her car, drove to Ohio, and dumped her in an unknown location. At some point, he realized he needed to cover his tracks. He called up his friend uh, Larry McClanahan and lured, lured him to the gas station shower, where he brutally murdered him. At some point, he moved the body again and dumped her in the Bowling Green, Ohio. 
Salerno was ultimately brought to trial for both murders. He pleaded guilty to the murder of McClanahan and was sentenced to 15 years in prison. He didn't, however, plead guilty to Michelle's murder, although he was sentenced to life in prison for that crime. I don't know how he would have only gotten... I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because he got life anyways, but... Like, for Larry's murder, I don't know how he only got 14 years, because it's definitely, or yeah, 15 years, because it's, like... Brutal. It's premeditated, too. Like, he planned to use him as a pawn. Exactly. I I don't understand either, to be honest. Um, But we're not done yet. Once his verdict was read, he told the court that he was a, quote, loving husband and not a murderer. He said that Pat Rizzi was the bane of his existence and had been trying to break him and Michelle up since she found out that they had gotten married. He said that Pat hated Italian men, including her own husband, and swore her daughter would never marry one, which just seems like, honestly, a stab in the back to say after his murder trial. Like, that's just trying to hurt the family. Yeah. The judge obviously was not falling for it and basically said that Salerno had lied throughout the entire trial, um, with his biggest lie being that he and Michelle ever had a happy, loving relationship where he was faithful. So, you know, the judge, like, absolutely did not buy it. To this day, Salerno still denies any involvement in Michelle's murder. He claims that the police have no evidence and he is innocent of the crime. During his trial, his attorney said, quote, Love hurts. Love hurts a lot, and these people are hurting each other over and over. This is a stormy relationship, but not a murderous one. So Salerno actually has a website called freesalerno.com where he posts a one hundred or sorry, $1,000 reward for anyone with any information about Thomas J. Huff providing so, uh, false information during his trial. So here's a story. And keep in mind that this is from Salerno's own website, so take it with a grain of salt. Um, He basically says all of this information can be found in Howard versus Ohio. So this is going to be kind of like a little bit of a confusing section because we're getting into stuff that isn't really directly associated with Michelle's murder, but it kind of is. Yeah. Um, It's important information to know. In the 1990s, when Salerno lived with McClanahan's family, he had knowledge that Larry had been sexually abusing his children. So this is the reason that Larry was in prison with Salerno. Like, that's how they met, was because he was in prison for sexually abusing his children. Mm. A man named Mr. Howard, I couldn't find his first name, also had knowledge of these crimes. He had also lived with the McClanahan's and also had sexual relations with both Larry and his ex-wife. Sound familiar? Oh, wow. Larry McClanahan and his son David were both convicted of federal crimes related to this sexual abuse. And when they were released from prison, they were out for revenge. Wait, his son was also involved? Yes. I think his son was older. Yeah, it's not like a kid, but like was also involved. Um, They had organized a contract killing of Mr. Howard, and Mr. Howard was ultimately stabbed multiple times while he was in prison. I'm not sure if he survived, but I have to assume that he did survive this and wasn't actually murdered. Apparently, after this um, with 
Mr. Howard, they were out for Salerno. Supposedly, Salerno was difficult to find, but they were able to get some threatening letters to the new apartment, which is the one that he and Michelle lived at on the Michigan State campus before he was kicked out. According to this website, Michelle had received these letters and had actually met with Larry and then met him again and then was killed by him. Now, Thomas J. Huff comes into the story. Dennis was convicted on the testimony given by Huff. Huff was Dennis's cellmate and said that he admitted to the crime while they were in prison together. Huff said that Salerno killed Michelle, drove around for hours with her in the trunk of his truck, and then threw her in the river with blocks on her feet. The only issue is neither Salerno or Michelle had a truck, and there's no evidence that Michelle was ever left in water or had anything tied to her feet. Huff also got time off his sentence for this testimony. Actually, I think he might have gotten out of prison because of this testimony. Gotta love the jailhouse rat. Yep. There are phone records that show that McClanahan and Michelle were in contact, and supposedly McClanahan had hired a private investigator to hunt Slerno down. He had also given a letter and a map to an attorney stating that it was not to be opened until his death and that it contained the location of two bodies. So I don't know about that. I didn't get any more information on that, but that's like, weird. Like Michelle's and his? No. Own, no. Because he couldn't write a letter saying that where to find his own body. I guess so. Um, but it's Michelle's and somebody else's. I'm not really sure. Supposedly, there is ATM evidence showing that Salerno was in a casino at the time of Michelle's death. So we're getting, you know, we're kind of getting into this evidence that maybe Dennis didn't do it. I don't know. This is what the website is saying. That's what Dennis says. That's what Dennis says. Someone was close to where Michelle was murdered, though. McClanahan had actually rented a hotel room extremely close to where she, her body was found. Um, which is kind of weird. So at the end of this webpage, Salerno basically says that he is innocent and that Huff is lying. He said that the evidence seemed to be supportive because everyone believes that the husband did it and he really had no friends or family supporting him through the trial. So I don't know if, I mean, I'm sure that does play a role in trials if you don't have anybody that's supporting you. And we all know that the first suspect is always the husband. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you don't have anybody supporting you, that says a lot about, like, your character. Yeah, exactly. So he encourages people to reach out to him and ask him for more information um, and in, in an attempt to get his case looked at again. Most people he's reached out to, because I think he's reached out to a ton of people trying to get his name cleared, have denied helping him since there is no DNA evidence in the case. He basically says that if you want more information, send him $6.50 for postage and printing, and he'll send you basically everything he has. So I think that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. You know, like he really wants people to look over his case, and he's willing to do whatever he has to do to get you the information. Yeah. So I found that he has an account on writeaprisoner.com where he says he's looking for a pen pal, legal advice, and or a spiritual prayer partner. He says in his bio, quote, 
I, uh, I read that there are four hallmarks of a friend. Availability, communication, encouragement, and loyalty. I believe I have all of those, to a fault sometimes. No one really knows me here, but I've trusted a few and learned from it. I'll be honest with you and as respectful as I can be. No matter what question you ask, I'll give you a real answer. I was always bored in school and read books outside of my majors. My last major was dietetics. I would love to find a way to afford correspondence courses so I can finish a degree. I like psychology, health, and nutrition, but my interests are varied. I usually try to read and study too many things at once. Two books I'm currently reading are Way of the Peaceful Warrior and Tiger Stripes and People Types. I also exercise, draw, paint, have knitted hats with a loom for children and others in need, and wrote some do-it-yourself booklets. I've given advice, answered questions usually about someone's health issue, and have taught art classes. At quote-unquote work, I facilitate two art groups and a cinema group. There's more to me than fits in a 250-word ad, so even if nothing mentioned interests you, there may be something to me that would that you would discover through writing. Thank you for reading my ad. I look forward to your letter. For more information and many photos, please look at the internet. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to write him a message. I don't know, but I would be interested if we wrote him and asked him about the case, what he would say. He would send, he would say, send me that 650. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk about a couple other things that I found of potential motives. So on findyourgrave.com or findagrave.com, I think that is, I'll link it. Um, they said that um, Dennis had married Michelle to cover up his affair with Larry McClanahan. So there are a lot of different reasons for motives of why Dennis might kill Michelle. And one of them is that people think that Michelle might have threatened to expose Dennis, um, Dennis's relationship with Larry to his family and Dennis didn't want that part of his life exposed so I don't know if that that could have been it um and then there's also the theory that because of this um protection uh application he was angry and that was just like final straw sort of a thing you lost it exactly like if it made like one of those things like if I can't have you no one can and I think that's one of the um most dangerous times for a woman is when they're just trying to leave a relationship. That's when things can get really um, violent. Um, so I'm going. I'm going to tell you a couple quotes. So this in this one is from one of the prosecutors in the case. Quote: She kicked him out. She changed the locks. She went to legal aid about a divorce. She started the personal protection order process by writing a letter. All the right things, but it did her no good. She was killed. And I'm going to end with a quote from Michelle's father, Mario Rizzi. He said um, after the trial, quote, You took her beautiful smile from her, and even though you put so many obstacles in front of her, she was still achieving her goals. The only way you could stop her was to take her life in a cowardly way, I presume, in her sleep. So... A sad story. Definitely sad. With an ending that I don't know. I mean, definitely seems like he did it. Yeah. 
from mm-hmm. from what I've read and from um, the evidence brought to court from the forensic files episode. Um, but it would be interesting to hear, you know, what he has to say about about it. Yeah, definitely bizarro. All right. Well, that is the end of episode 22. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. Um, I do have a couple exciting announcements. If you follow us on Instagram, you know that we have launched our store. Yay! www.forensicmiles.com is now live. Go check it out. Um, Check it out. Yeah, we think that we've got some products that you guys like, designed by yours truly, me. Um, the other thing is that we are going to have another mini mini episode um, about the Coors murder, um, which I think you will really like because I have some kind of exciting new information to share with you guys. Um, so definitely look out for that. All right, that's it, guys. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you next time. Yep, see you on Tuesday. Bye.